Welcome to another edition of Gray's Rebuke. So one of the topics I wanted to talk about today was extended warranties, insurance, car insurance, and the like. So you go to the store, you go buy, I don't care, a blender, and they're going to ask you, would you like to purchase the extended warranty? No, I don't want to purchase the extended warranty. I mean, if I'm paying $20 for a blender and it makes me five or six drinks, I'm good. I know I bought a cheap blender. I don't think it's going to last a long time. So why would I pay a bunch of extra money on a cheap blender? I bought a cheap blender for a reason because I wanted it to be cheap. I don't want to have an extended warranty. I'd have bought a better blender. I got to make me a few margaritas or something and the next year blender don't work, I'll go buy a new one. Or my other option is, is to go buy a fancy blender. Like there's this one I've been looking at at Costco, 400 something bucks. Makes these delicious smoothies. I don't know what they're using in this store, but this stuff's delicious. But I started thinking about it. Man, if I go buy a smoothie for $7, blender's 400. Let's see, 10 smoothies, 70 bucks. Man, by the time I do ingredients, everything, I got to buy, like, a lot. I got to make a lot of smoothies to get my money out of this. By the time I buy ingredients and everything, I've got to make, like, hundreds of smoothies just to get my money back. Plus all the work doing it. I can just show up and go buy me a smoothie, pay my seven bucks, and be out. So... Knowing that, I can either go buy me a little cheap blender or I can go buy me this nice Cadillac of blenders. Now, if I go buy this nice Cadillac of a blender for $400, if they ask me if I want the extended warranty, I'm still going to say no. Why? Because I paid $400 for a blender. This is a good quality blender. Uh, There should be no reason that it's going to break on me. Sometimes these things will have a Limited lifetime warranty, you know, that's a bunch of crap. Generally, everything has like, you know, 90-day warranty or something. If you take this thing home, go to make a smoothie, and it dies on you, you're just going to take it right back to the store and say, hey, this thing broke. They're going to ask for your receipt. You're going to see it. They're going to see it and say, okay, give your money back, but more than likely, they're going to try to give you a new blender. But let's say it dies in six months. Or a year, you're going to go to take it back to the store. They ain't going to take it back. It's a six months to a year old. Next thing they're going to ask you, hey, excuse me, sir, did you buy the uh, extended warranty perhaps? <sighs> no, I, I didn't. And now you kind of put on yourself like, man, it's my fault. I should have bought the extended warranty. This is what I get. So now your option is either to go buy you a new blender or... I guess you can go try to get it repaired somewhere and pay, you know, half the price of the blender in the first place. And you're blaming yourself for it. Like, man, I'm dumb. Should have just paid the extra five bucks or ten bucks or whatever it is a month or a one-time fee. Have the extended warranty. Man, I'm dumb. No, you're not dumb. It's dumb to buy the warranty. Why should you pay a good amount of money for something that's going to break? The reason you paid the money is because... You expected quality. If you take all the purchases over time, 
you will save money by not buying these extended warranties. In my next segment, I'm going to show you what and tell you what to do and how to do it if something like this happens. Doesn't work for everything. Car insurance. Man. Some people out here, they're all braggadocious about that they've got a $250 deductible. My insurance is really good. I, I got a $250 deductible. Yeah, but you pay $25 extra a month for this deductible. When's the last time you got in an accident? Well, like six, seven, eight years ago. So if you pay $25 extra a month times 12 months, there's an extra $300 a year. If it's been five years since you got in an accident or longer, you might have paid an extra $1,500, $2,000 or more dollars. You could have just put that money away. I know it's hard for people to put money away, but you could have put that money away. When you get in an accident, your money ahead. Most people don't do that, so if an accident occurs and you've got a $1,000 deductible, that hurts. Like, man, $1,000. Where am I going to come up with that? But you've been paying the extra $25 for months to get your $250 deductible. So in the end, it really doesn't make sense, and it's the same thing with these extended warranties. You pay out thousands of dollars on these extended warranties to have one thing over five or six years break on you, and then that's how you justify it. The worst insurances are these damn phone insurances. I didn't know it, but my wife and I, we have three phones. My phone, her phone, and the daughter's phone. And somehow we got roped into this insurance. And I'm usually pretty good at checking this stuff out, but man, they got me. We were paying $20 a month per phone for this phone insurance. 60 bucks a month and we've been paying it for two years oh man 60 times 12 there's 780 another 780 there's 1560 all said and done we pay upwards of two thousand dollars for phone insurance what's going to happen if i break this phone well first thing you're going to want to know if i still have the phone because if i still have it they want me to return it and if you don't return it within so many days or weeks, they will charge you for the phone. So listen, if you are in one of these insurance scams and you break your phone, don't tell them you break it. You tell them it went down a manhole. You think they're going to delete all your information if you crack your screen? No, I don't trust that. Just say you lost the phone, then you ain't got to return nothing. But better yet, don't even get this insurance. Put away 10, 15, 20 bucks a month. If something happens, let's go get you a new phone. If I call up the phone company today and say, or the insurance company and say I lost or broke my phone, say I just say I lost it. $150 deductible or whatever it is. So I've already paid a couple thousand dollars and now I gotta pay another $150 to you? It's like an extra punishment for losing my phone. Hey, we've collected a lot of money from you and we're still ahead. But, you know, we're a little bit mad at you, so we're going to have to charge you $150. These phones are kind of expensive now. Six, seven, eight hundred, a thousand dollars. But not after you've had the phone for two years. 
phone depreciates. This phone that was $1,000 might be worth 600 now that you paid $2,000 extra dollars for. And now they want $150 on top of that. I mean, really, the, the rate for phone insurance ought to be about $0.50 cents a month. Can you imagine if these same percentages were implemented in car insurance? Because the maximum amount of damage I can do on this phone is the cost of the phone. I got my information. All that stuff's always in the cloud or wherever. And you can retrieve a lot of that. Might have to re-download some apps or something. But monetary value is the price of the phone. There's not a lot of guesswork for the phone company. Car insurance? Say I pay $60 a month for full coverage on my car, and I, I can get in a dollars $40,000 accident. That's a lot. But if you were to take the phone insurance percentages, I should be paying like, I don't know, 1000 or $1,500 a month. Say, man, I'm, sh- I'm sure glad I had this insurance, but I paid for this car three times now. That's crazy, man. So what I'm trying to say is maybe at the moment when something breaks or you lose something or something doesn't work, you try to justify having these extended warranties or these insurances, but most of the time it's ripoff. Now, car insurance, you have to have it to drive. Okay, you have to have it, you have to have it. Same thing with health insurance, you have to have it because how many people can pay for a $100,000 surgery? So I get that insurance, you have to have it. Now the other day, where I kind of wish I had an extended warranty, but I still can't justify it, is I bought this washer and dryer, Samsung washer and dryer. I think at the time they were... $2,000 a piece, so pretty decent washer and dryer. I'm sure it's not the very top of the line, but it's up there pretty good. Uh, We bought them from Lowe's, I think, and I think they're on sale for maybe $1,500 each. Now, we thought about going with the cheaper model, and there was a lot of cheaper models, but my wife and I kind of decided, hey, we don't want to buy another washer and dryer for a long time, at least 5-10 years. We don't do a lot of laundry. There's only three of us. So let's get a little bit nicer ones. So we did. Well, the other day, my wife calls me up and says, Hey, as soon as I shut the door on the dryer, it starts tumbling. And there's no way to stop it. Well, I thought maybe she was doing something wrong or some setting got hit. I come home, look at it. No, she's right. As soon as you shut the door, it starts tumbling. No heat comes, but it would just tumble forever and ever and ever. So everything's kind of a little push button on there. So if you shut the dryer, it'll start going. If you put power, the power, all the screen will light up. And then if you hit start, then the heat will come out. But no matter what you do, besides unplugging it or shutting off your breaker, that thing's going to be going. Or you got to open the door. So I start looking online at this. And it's a known problem. Been going on for years with Samsung. Bad circuit board. Crap junk circuit board. Got these relays on there and then the contacts on the relays are junk. So there's a couple... 
I don't know, tweaker fixes you could do to it. But your best option is to replace the board. Of course, my warranty's out because I've had the washer and dryer for about 15 months. So, of course, three months after warranty. So you get online. They run you through a whole rigmarole of how stupid you are and this is the easy fixes for things. Is your lint filter blocked and all this dumb stuff. You go through all that. Because I don't really want you to talk to anybody live. But finally you get to talk to somebody. Well, you get to chat with somebody online. Samsung expert. Get on there. Explain the problem. Of course, she has no idea how to fix this. She's not really a Samsung expert. So she transfers me to a Samsung Pro. I mean, this person looks official on there. They have a Samsung logo. This guy's reading from a script. Hey, let's fix this problem together. I'm like, well, I can tell you what the problem is, but it could be the first time I've been wrong the whole year, but we'll see. So after him explaining the problem, and of course he wants the serial number and the model and all this other stuff. And I've tried everything that he's already going to try to tell me to do. Resetting it, all this other junk. And it doesn't work. So I get online about 7 o'clock. It's now maybe 8 o'clock. And I'm just going through the motions. I don't even know why I'm doing it. I'm already figured that I've got to buy this part myself and replace it. Which I'm pretty annoyed about. I don't feel like I should have to fix anything. Especially when this has been a known problem. So, I'm getting pretty annoyed and I'm getting a little bit mean on the chat. And I'm thinking just getting really mean. Just give me 10 seconds of satisfaction and I'll cuss this guy out and just get offline. But, I just keep going and pretty soon I'm like, well, you're supposed to be a Samsung Pro. And you said let's fix this together, so let's let's fix it. I tell him the problem. I tell him, if you've got a second look at YouTube and you'll see the problem, type it in. So his solution is saying that, uh, you know, he's really sorry that the warranty's out and he can find me a local technician. Like, I can't find a local technician? I don't need a local technician. I am the technician. Just give me the part. So I'm kind of watching TV and just going back and forth and this guy is... I don't know if he has a certain amount of time he has to respond per his company, but he's answering me about every five or six minutes. Probably just hoping, like, I wish this guy would just get offline, please. No, I'm not doing that. So, next thing you know, it's about nine o'clock, and I'm still back and forth with this guy. At 9.30 at night, this guy finally offers to pay for the part. He just wants to know if he can set up a technician. They'll do a one-time thing where they fix the parts. And all I have to do is pay for the labor. Why would I want to pay for the labor? About six screws later, I can open this thing up. A little bit of pain in my butt, but I can open it up. And I can surely change out a circuit board. Piece of cake for me. So why would I want to pay three, four, five hundred dollars for labor for something that I could fix with my own time? Furthermore, 
Why would I want to pay for labor or anything for a washer and dryer, a dryer in this case, $2,000 dryer that I ain't even had a year and a half on a known problem? And I'll blame myself a little bit for not doing a little bit better research. But if you see a company's had a problem with junk circuit boards for two or three years, you would think they would have fixed this problem by now. Apparently not. So I told the guy I would talk to a technician, but unless they're sending out the part for me to fix, it's a waste of time. I told him that he is being about as useful as a used car salesman. Starting to get back to nasty again. I'm thinking, I'm going to stay on this chat until either I got to go to bed or this guy shifts over. And now it's about 10.25. So I've been on here damn near three and a half hours. I'm pretty stubborn. At 10.30, this guy finally decides that they can pay for the parts and the labor. And I'm thinking, we could have had this conversation over in about five minutes flat. Now, I get it. They don't want to do this stuff for everybody that gets on the chat. But three and a half hours on a known problem with class action lawsuits, a known problem. That's crazy. That's crazy. So they still haven't came out to fix my washer and dryer, or my dryer. It's supposed to come out next week. I've got the whole warranty number and everything. But like I said, in my next segment, I will tell you how to avoid all this and what to do. Now, this situation doesn't work very good, what I usually would do, because the item is just too big. A washer and dryer, for me to try to get this dryer back to the store and go get another dryer, it's a big pain in the butt. So I wouldn't really want to do that in this situation. So yeah, would it have helped out if I had the extended warranty on this? Sure. But you can't be selling me supposedly high quality products and have them come out junk. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let them off the hook that easy. So in my last segment, I know I was talking about how extended warranties and uh, cheaper deductibles are a bad thing. And I can kind of see a little bit how people might say, well, if you would have just had the extended warranty, you wouldn't have had this this issue and it's a big purchase. Well, let me tell you about the no lemon law. I'm sure people's kind of heard of these no lemon laws with cars. And I'm going to talk about just a general no lemon law that I've came up with over the years and that I've employed oh, dozens if not hundreds of times. Now you, get, you go buy a new TV or, or a PlayStation or whatever else, you know, they're, they're not $10, $15 purchases. They're, you know, hundreds of dollars a purchase. If I was to buy some $400 blender, I don't expect that blender to go bad, stop working in the first six months or even a year. If I go buy me a little $20, $30 Sunbeam blender from 
Walmart because I decided I wanted to make some frozen drinks at the house. That's what I get. I spent 30 bucks for a blender. If it worked for the whole entire summer, great. If it doesn't work the next year or two years later, I can't be like, man, I can't believe that I paid 30 bucks for this. I got my money's worth out of this. There's this blender I keep seeing at Costco. Makes these delicious smoothies. I don't even know how it does it. But it blends up and juices or whatever, everything. I wanted to buy it, but I started thinking, that's a lot of smoothies. $400 worth of smoothies. Plus, I got to buy all the ingredients. By the time I pay this this blender off, I'll be dead by get my monies out of it. I buy 300 smoothies before I pay this thing off. So I can't justifiably buy it. But if I did buy this blender, I don't expect this blender to go bad on me in six months, one year, two year, three year. Let's say I've had it five years and I've been using it every year. Okay, that's probably about where I say, you know what, that really sucks. But it's been five years. I got my money out of this. It's fine. I'm not going to do anything about it. But I tell you what, this thing better not die on me in 90 days. One year, no, it ain't going to happen. So, let's just take the blender for an example. So, I buy this blender, let's say, pay my $400 for it. It's got a 90-day limited lifetime warranty, some BS. Basically, it's got a 90-day warranty. If it stops working those first 90 days, I can probably take it back to Costco Tell them it doesn't work. They'll see my receipt. And I'll probably get a new blender. They're going to take that old blender. They're going to send it back to the manufacturer. They're going to fix whatever's wrong. And sell it somewhere else. Probably refurbished. They're going to get some more money out of it. What if my warranty is over? I'm going to take it back to Costco. They're going to say show me your receipt. They're going to say sorry sir. There's nothing you can do about it. Blah, blah, blah. Should have had the extended warranty. Blah, blah, blah. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what's going to happen. I'm going to have this blender for six months. And it's going to die on me. I'm going to get a new blender for free. But how? Here's how. I'm going to go back to Costco. And I'm going to buy me that same blender. The one that's been making me smoothies for six months before it died. Then I'm going to clean up the other one real good. I'm going to put it in that box, and I'm going to take that one right back. So essentially, I'm getting a new blender, packaging up the old blender, and taking it back. Why are you bringing this back, sir? Anything wrong with it? No. Just didn't want it anymore. Decided uh, I found a cheaper day. Cheaper, cheaper price, better deal somewhere. Got two of them for my birthday, whatever I want to say. That's it. So I'm going to do. Well, what if they, they plug it in and try to see if it works? I just bought it today. Must be broken. I don't know what's wrong with it. You could, you could play that angle. I just barely bought this blender today and it doesn't work. Well, we can give you another one, sir. No, you know what? I just want my money back. I don't, I don't trust this brand. It's already not working. Why would I want another one? Probably going to die in six months. I'll, I'll just take my money back.
I remember the red ring of death on the old Xboxes. Xbox didn't want to admit that there was a problem. And even if you had the warranty, you had to send this PlayStation or Xbox in and you'd get it back like in six weeks or something. Six weeks for a gamer? I mean, I'm not a gamer. My kid was. But for six weeks for a gamer, that's like an eternity. That's like going to take your car to a repair shop and saying, hey, we'll get your car back to you in about six weeks. Not acceptable. But what is acceptable? To go to the store. Go buy you another Xbox. Package up the old one. Why do you want to bring this Xbox back? It's my son's birthday and he got two of them. His grandma gave him one and his other grandma gave him one. And we don't need two of them. So I just want to bring this one back. Well, do you have the receipt? Yeah, I sure do. It's right here. There it goes. They're not going to really check it too much. You just bought it less than 24 hours ago. Why would they think something doesn't work? Now, you got the No Lemon Law 2.0 because sometimes these manufacturers get a little sneaky. And there's stuff like serial numbers. Then it's kind of hard because if they go to scan the barcode, they're going to realize it is a different system. You're busted. No, you're not. A little more in depth. But now you're going to have to take stuff apart. And I've done this too. The motor's bad. I'll take it out, put the motor in. Change out the motor. So you can say, well, man, this is a little bit dishonest. This is a little bit deceitful. Quit putting out crap products. You're going to sell something to me for 20 bucks or I buy something off a of Wish. Man, if I buy something off a of, off of Wish, I'm impressed that I even got the item. Six months later, I might be like, man, I forgot I even ordered that. So what? Kind of like, I get what I pay for. So if I want to be cheap and buy some cheap stuff and it breaks on me, in my opinion, that's what you get for buying some cheap stuff. You know it. I go buy me some tools that I want to last a lifetime from Harbor Freight. Are you kidding me? This is what I get. I could have bought a $150 grinder, but I decided to buy a $20 grinder. If it just worked for the day, I'm good. You want quality, something that's going to last, you pay the money. But when you do, and it breaks on you way prematurely, it's not right. I've, I've just done it with so many things. There, no lemon law. I'm telling you, you should try it. If these cut, And the only thing that's going to happen with the store is... I feel a tiny bit bad, and here's why. Because somebody else is going to go buy that same, let's say, Xbox. And they're going to get it home, and it's not going to work. What's going to happen in the end, though, is they're going to have to take it back to the store and say they just bought this, and it doesn't work. So then maybe they test it out and find out it doesn't work. So it did cost some family or somebody an extra trip to the store. But in the end, they're going to give them a new one, too. They're going to take that busted Xbox... And they're going to send it back to the manufacturer and they're going to get a store credit. So the only people really in the end that is going to be out anything is going to be the manufacturer. And they wouldn't be out anything if they wouldn't put out these junk 
products. Maybe a little bit better quality control. Now I get it. If you put out 500 or 1,000 Xboxes, maybe one or two are going to be bad. Bad soldering, bad circuit board, bad something. That shouldn't be the consumer's fault. And it's not going to be my fault. So with my example earlier, the washer and dryer, it's a lot tougher to go in the store and go buy a whole new washer and dryer and try to get it delivered and and load it back up and take it back. It's just too much work in that situation. But most situations, no lemon law, works every time. That's all I got on that. You know, now that we got a couple months in, after the new administration, I like to just kind of touch on what I feel like is going on here. So, Biden is getting a lot of stuff done. A way lot of stuff. For being in his first 100 days, he's working at a breakneck speed. I mean, getting a lot of stuff accomplished, and there's a lot of stuff in the works. And hopefully that this continues. And I think it will continue. You've got this voter suppression stuff going on in Georgia. And people are trying to dissect the bill and say things about it's not really voter suppression. Well, it is. And if you look at it on its surface, you try to say to yourself, man, this really isn't voter suppression at all. You got to really dig deep to see that it is voter suppression. And I'm going to tell you why. So one of the deals is is that there has to be a drop box in every county, at least one. That sounds great. Like, I don't know how many counties didn't have drop boxes before, but they're trying to say right now they want to at least have one in every county. That's great. Is it great? Because at least one means possibly only one. So most cities kind of have their richer areas and their poor areas. And the people that are going to have a harder time getting to the polls, leaving work, getting to these drop boxes, not having vehicles, is going to be in the poorer areas. Also, it's more likely that the people in the poorer areas are going to be Democrats. So you could have a county and say, we're going to have at least, meaning we are only going to have, one drop box in this place. And we're going to put it up in an area away from all the poorer people, all the people that are probably going to vote Democrat. And we're going to make it hard to get to this. Why only have one? Why not have so many drop boxes per so many people and have these drop boxes spread out and have it to where nobody has to go more than X amount of miles? No more than 10 miles in between drop boxes. So that would be getting more people to vote. Look, if your message is so good, meaning the Republicans, your message is so great and the policies and everything that you want to do are good for America and that majority of Americans agree with, then you should want as many people to vote as possible. Because what you need to say, I would think, is Our policies are good for America, and the majority of Americans agree with us. So if we can just make sure to get these people out to vote, we will win every time. If that's the case, 
You don't want voter suppression. You want more voter turnout. So get your message out there. Get as many ways possible to vote and you'll win. And why are they having these new voting laws? Well, we were doing these new voting laws, you know, to to stop fraud. To stop fraud? Which fraud are you talking about? You're trying to make rules for something that there wasn't in the first place. To me, it's like if I had, uh, if I was at work and they said, we start at 7 o'clock at my job. My job come out and said, we're going to start at 7.30. And everybody's like, hey, hey, we're going to get home later. Why are we starting at 7.30? Well, we just want to make sure that everybody's able to get out work on time. You know, we want to stop people from coming in late. So we figure that if we start later, people will get more sleep and we won't have anybody coming in late anymore. Let's say we had a job, five, six hundred people, and you got one guy or two guys coming in late. But, but we're all, we're coming in on time already. Why, why are we? Well, we just, you know, just out of an abundance of caution, we just want everybody to get a little bit more sleep. So we're, we're just going to change the start time to 730. Okay, once again, we're pretty much all making it on time as it is. You got one or two people. It don't matter if you change the start time till noon. Those same people are still going to be late. Well, we, well, yeah, but, you know, we just, just, we just want to try to make sure that everybody's here on time. That's what we're doing. There is no fraud in the first place. Whatever small 0.0001% that you did have, this ain't going to change anything. Another thing they want to do are these drop boxes that they do have, instead of being outside... They want to have them inside. Well, this sounds great. And they want to have these drop boxes not available 24 hours a day, just normal business hours. You know, if for some reason, I guess they think that somebody that goes to turn a ballot in at three in the morning, they must be up to no good. You know, they got the Hamburglar mask on from McDonald's and they're going in there and turn in 30 or 40, maybe 50, 60, 70, maybe 2,000, 10,000 ballots. Middle of the night. Nobody's going to see them. Must be up to something. Because, of course, if the box is inside of a building, nobody can do any fraud then. So on the outside, it looks like, well, yeah, I think this is good. We'll have the boxes inside and that'll be, you know, less potential for fraud. There was no fraud in the first place. Well, how is this voter suppression, you say? Well, I'm going to tell you how it's voter suppression. This drop box inside of a building is only open normal business hours who's most likely to not be able to get to these drop boxes during normal business hours who works odd shifts would you say it's more republican people or more democrat people Do you think people that make a ton of money generally have these off-hour shifts? No, they're usually, not always, but they're usually lower-paying jobs, warehouse jobs, just jobs that are all at odd hours of the night. Also, the ones, the people that do have the regular job hours, the traditional hours, Who's most likely to not be able to take off of work? I'm sitting at an office job making a ton of money. 
probably easier for me to take my two-hour lunch break and go drop off a ballot. Or if I'm making a ton of money, it ain't really going to hurt me to leave work to go drop off my ballot. But you got these people that are on a tighter budget where if they've got to go spend an hour or two to go turn in a ballot, it affects their paycheck. Less likely to do it. Just slight little voter suppressions. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there. Another one of this is you cannot give food or drink to anybody in line. I don't even understand this one at all. You can't give water to somebody standing in line. The fact that you even have to bring this up says one thing to me. Why would a line be so long that you would need to take food or water to anybody? The line should never be that long. If you're only having the polls open for such small amount of time, have limited polling places, the majority of people are going to go vote on election day after work. If the lines are too long, you know you got to stand in line for three hours, but you got kids at home that you got to feed and you've got other responsibilities, you might say, man, I do not have three or four hours or whatever it is to stand in line. I've been working on my feet all day. I'm tired. I've got to get home, feed the kids. I I just don't have three hours. Who is that going to hurt? Who is that going to hurt more? Would you say it's going to hurt more Republicans or more Democrats? What do you think? People saying that this is not voter suppression. But it just so happens to be in a Republican-controlled state with Republican officials, Republican lawmakers. They're not trying to make it easier for Democrats to vote. They want to make it harder. They want to try to shift the balance, change the rules of the game in their favor. But if your message is so good and the laws you want to pass and the The life that you expect for Americans to live is so great. Why would you need to change the rules? You shouldn't need to change the rules. So have you ever seen when people get in trouble for crimes that they didn't commit? Let's say there's four people in a car. And they decide to go do a drive-by shooting. You got the person driving the car. You've got the person in the passenger seat shooting the gun. You got a couple other people with them. They get caught. Who's in trouble? All four people in the car are in trouble. The two in the back probably knew about it. The person driving the car was driving the car. And then you have the person doing the actual shooting. They're all in on it. They're all in trouble. Did the person in the back seat actually do anything? No. Now, if one of the people in the back seat had no knowledge of this and immediately went to the cops and said, hey, this is what happened, they'll probably get out of some trouble. 
I had no idea what was going on here. Sent in the back seat of this car, minding my own business. It's going to be pretty hard to believe this, but potentially could get out of trouble. Otherwise, they're all married to this crime. They're all going to get in trouble for it, rightfully so. Now, the political side of this is the Democrat Party and the Republican Party. Donald Trump lost this election by somewhere around 7 million votes. Now, the way the Electoral College is set up, you know, it was a few hundred thousand votes, probably less than a million votes, and he'd be president. But if you go off of the popular vote, 7 million votes is a lot to make up. And I do feel like the way that the United States is trending, which I believe it is trending more liberal, less conservative, more democratic, uh, more democrat, less republican, that these margins are going to increase. Maybe not so much the 7 million because you always have more voter turnout when things are more controversial. So depending on the controversy level, next election we might have less less voters. Population is going to grow too. But depending on the candidates, the issues, you could have less or more voter turnout. But I do believe states like Georgia, Texas, a few other states, North Carolina, are leaning more Democrat. Some people in Texas say, well, yeah, all the people from California are moving to Texas and they're, they're bringing their ideas with them and their ideals. Well, okay, that's that can happen. Maybe te- people from Texas want to take their ideas and ideals to California. Or maybe people's views are changing. My point is, is this is back to the whole racism and the whole racist argument is the Republican Party has a huge problem on their hands. And they're married to this problem. And I don't see any way out of it. The racist element of the Republican Party and these these crazy QAnon nut jobs are hurting the Republican Party, and there's nothing they can do about it. They are married to these crazy right-wing fanatics. Married to them. Cannot divorce. If you had a Republican candidate come out and just denounce this, if all the lawmakers, everybody in Congress, just straight up was denouncing racism, denouncing these QAnons, and every one of them were in in a in a in a joined effort to rid themselves of this part of their party they're in worse shape how many people that voted in this last election would openly consider themselves racist oh it would be in the millions in my opinion Millions. What about closet racists? 
people that are pretty racist, they don't want to come out and admit it. And they have a lot of biases. Like I said, they're not wearing uh, KKK uniforms. They're not uh, writing swastikas on walls. They're not a member of any certain group. But in their daily lives, there's a lot of racism. Maybe they're even teaching their kids some of these same ideas. Some of these same thoughts. They're fine with it. To me, that would have been out of those 74, 75 million. I'd say you got about a good 5 million open. I bet you have 10 or 15, 20 million that are not so open. So if you alienate these people, let's just say it's 10, 15, 15 total. Put everybody in the whole basket of, you know, either being racist, homophobic, thinking that women shouldn't have any place in politics or any high positions. You take all these, these same people, they're all usually in the same basket. Don't like black people, don't like Mexican people. No, no, they don't really think women should do anything but stay at home. They're all generally in the same basket of hate. If you're to lose that faction of the Republican Party and they split off and they want to make their own party, where are you at? Now you go from 75 million votes to maybe 60 million votes, maybe even less. So if you couldn't win the last election and you lose 15 million voters, how are you going to win the next election? Well, you're not. You're not going to win. You might never win again. You will gain some votes by getting rid of these people. But you will not pick up more votes than you lose. So I don't know what the Republican Party is going to do. But I feel like keeping these people in your party, you lose. Kicking these people out of your party, you lose. I'm not sure what the right solution for the Republican Party is. Do you just embrace them and say, this is a diverse party. We've got some racists here and we love them. we got some people that think the racism is bad and we love them too. We love everybody. I don't see how that works. I can tell you that there's some people that are more moderate. That if you get rid of some of this craziness in the Republican Party, you could pick up some of them. I think it's like rebuilding a team. You got a basketball team, you've got your star player, couple star players. They get hurt, they get old, they retire. You're going to have some growing pains. You ain't going to win a championship the next year. It's going to take you years to build this team back up. You're going to have some hard years. And that's where I think the Republican Party is at. I don't say they can't win again. 
I think they have some things they want to accomplish. They have their principles. They have their morals that I think a lot of people want to go with. That I feel like a lot of people say, yeah, that is, that's how I feel too. That's what I think also. But you're never going to get them to come over because they do not want to be associated with the crazy part of this party. It's too radical. So if the Republican Party wants to win again or win for very long, they're going to have to change. So that's the end of this kind of long podcast for the day. A lot of information there. Anyways, like always, if you like this podcast, share it with one person. If you love this podcast, share it with two. And if you hate it, share it with three. Thanks for listening. See you next week.